We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Sunday episode of Pack a Day podcast. We finally had some Packers football. I don't care if it's preseason or not. It was Packer players on the field playing another team, and. It was fantastic. Um, I'm excited to finally talk about this. I feel like we've been in such a dead zone, and we finally have some real uh, real content, I guess you could say. Uh, again, Nick ditched us. He's being a real jerk, but I'm joined by Gage. Gage, how thrilled are you that we're getting closer and closer to Packers football? I'm glad that it's back. I've never been a preseason guy. I still stand by that. Granted, it was nice to at least have um, Green Bay like put players that players that matter out there because I feel like under Matt LaFleur with uh, 12 at the helm, it was always just, oh, Packers starters won't play for the preseason again this year. Are they going yeah. to play it all in the preseason? Uh, you know, I might let Aaron touch a ball in week three, and then it's going to be only on the sideline, though. He's not actually going to play because he doesn't want to. Um, so <laughs> it's nice to actually get to see them uh, play and do something. Uh, we got to see a couple of drives from Love. Um, we got to see some other guys do some stuff. We got to see some young guys uh, out there. And I actually liked – I liked the energy that we saw yesterday. There's a lot of young names. There's a lot of young guys that got to go out and make some plays. And when I saw the score, because I didn't – I don't ever get preseason football and I don't really ever watch it. I just always watch the highlights and stuff and kind of read the box score and kind of listen to what other people had to say about it and see Green Bay won by 17. I was like, there we go. That's, that's always uh, good to see. So, Yeah, and it was – I've never been more excited to watch the first two drives of a preseason game before. Just because, like you said, we actually played starters. The first time loves. Yes, he's played preseason before. First time as the guy and seeing how he controls that offense that is brand new to everyone. Um, So today, we're going to go ahead and 
not not review the whole game, but talk about some stock up players, some stock down based on uh, their performance, maybe some circumstances around them um, for one player in particular. But we're just going to kind of hit on some key players, what they did well, and unfortunately also mention some players that their stock went down after that game. But the first player I want to start with, and I need to preface it with, no, he will not be the starter. No, he has no chance of being the starter. But Sean Clifford, he was, after he was drafted, was just bashed by media about being a dumb pick. Packer fans thought it was a dumb pick. He came into that game. Yes, he had two bad interceptions. But still, and one bad throw that he had a wide open person right to the ground. But then he had some ridiculously nice throws. Like he was a very serviceable quarterback to a point where, let's say, love, I don't know, something happens where he has to go out a drive or a few plays. Like Sean Clifford going in isn't the panic that I had in the past. I think for me personally, his stock has depth, not even just me, for Twitter, his, uh, his stock has definitely gone up. I'm not crazy like some of the people that said he's going to challenge for the starting job. That's asinine. But he's definitely someone that I feel a lot more comfortable being behind uh, Jordan Love. Yeah, you never I, – I, just from what I saw, like I said, I mainly only watch the highlight stuff. So obviously it's going to be a lot of good plays from him uh, as well as some good plays by the defense. But I've not read anything about him uh, following last night's game that makes me think he can't be a serviceable backup. And that's all you need. You don't need your backup to be the like a, a ready-made like superstar because that's this is just not what your backup's for. I think that what I saw, he looked like a serviceable quarterback. He looked like he can run the offense, and that's all you ever need. It's the same reason why the Seahawks went, and under the first year of Geno Smith, they made the playoffs because Geno didn't go try and do too much. He went out, he ran the system, he executed it, and they were successful. I understand he was the starter, but it was a camp battle. Clifford's not battling for the starting job, but he's shown that he can go out, he can execute the offense, and not look completely lost out there. He's not seeing ghosts. He's not going to be just confused and like a complete detriment and you're just going to be watching through your fingers like every time he steps on the field so hopefully he's not on the field unless it's a blowout win but if it if he ever is on the field he did look serviceable enough to do the job of being like it's his job as the backup to lose right now like i think it's very clearly he's the number two and i don't think uh, magoo uh is currently uh fighting for that spot yet yeah, no, absolutely. And you could tell by just the share they got. Like Magoo didn't really come in until the fourth quarter, um, which shows that they really wanted to see what Clifford had, give him two and a half quarters, two quarters and two and three-fourths quarters, you could really say, to play and get some experience in an NFL uh, game. I know it's preseason, but still, it's a lot different. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Honestly, the feel-good story of that game you saw on Twitter, um, Emmanuel Wilson tweeted out 14 years ago, uh, on Friday when they played, his father was uh, taken from him. And then he got to play his first NFL game on that same date, uh, which he, even before the game, just saying like, I'm really blessed and thankful to have this opportunity. And he went out and just killed it. And I know he had an 80 yard touchdown, that 18 yard run. And those were both kind of the same moves. Someone filled the gap that he was going into quick cut outside and his speed took over. And for a big boy, that man is fast. Uh, at, it was great to see. Finish the game, six carries, 111 yards. Should have been more. But Emmanuel Wilson, man. Aaron Jones, after after that touchdown play, went to him and said, like, that was for your pops. He's watching down on you. He's, he's super proud of you. Uh, which is just, you know, makes your eyes sweat a little bit uh, just seeing and hearing all that to kind of go right for him on that day. 
Yeah, no. Uh, there's there's few things in this world that'll get you a uh, little a little dusty in the room. Uh, someone's cutting onions, then uh, something like that. Um, there was similar thing uh, for those of you that are baseball fans. Uh, earlier this week, Michael Lorenzen, uh, the Phillies threw uh, his first career no hitter. Um, it was the day before his dad's birthday, and two day and earlier in his career, he had his first home run two days after his uh, dad had passed away. So. Mm-hmm. Um, in his baseball career, he's had thrown a no hitter the day before his dad's birthday and hit his first home run the first time, the first game he played after his dad passed away. So that, and that's this kind of stuff that just always kind of tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Uh, Wilson, just even if you take away the 80 yard run average, he had five carries for 31 yards at 6.2 yards per carry. That's a healthy day. He had an 18 yarder called back that would have given him an even bigger day. Uh, it was just, for a team that's had Dylan and Jones over the last couple of years, and they're constantly searching for a consistent third running back, Emmanuel Wilson really announced his presence yesterday as, Hey, maybe I can be that third guy uh, had. And he, it's not the crazy thing is he's, it's not like he had breakaway speed. Like his 40 yard dash was only a four, six, two. So it's not like he was a burner by any means, but he went out, put up a great day and he picked a great day to have a great day. Like there's, that's the times when you really kind of like uh, the I mentioned this before we got started the Seattle uh, Vikings guy uh, I, the whatever gunner it was on punt coverage that got down got the tackle right as the guy uh, right as the returner caught the ball it's like you congrats you made the roster as long as you don't do anything dumb for the next couple of weeks you got to pick your time to have a good day and Emmanuel Wilson did just that he picked a great day to have a great day yeah and a player we're not going to mention on the stock down but definitely opposed to this is. Uh, Nichols, the guy that we actually brought in in the draft class this year, uh, missed this game with, I think it was a shoulder injury, some kind of injury, missed the game, kind of giving Wilson more of an opportunity to play. And sure as hell capitalized on it. And I think the big thing, like he's shown he can run, and obviously he has to build on that success. But for a young guy coming in, like now really the where you show – how you're serviceable is making sure your, your pass blocking is good and able to pick up blitzes. And if you can do that and show there's potential there, like there's a real chance he steals this RB three spot from um, Patrick Taylor or from uh, Tyler Goodson. So he's like you said, definitely announced his presence and going to another person too. late round draft pick. I think his number is 232. He was picked uh, Carrington Valentine. We've been hearing about him in camp about how he got to run with the ones earlier in mini camp because uh, some players didn't go. And in training camp too, just getting opportunities, even against the Bengals was able to run with the ones a lot because Jair didn't do some of the team stuff. And this game, three pass breakups. He had that interception. Uh, they played him a lot. He was doing some special teams. Like Carrington Valentine has announced himself. He's definitely someone to contribute. And this cornerback room is going to get, uh, a, definitely a boost because with Eric Stokes' injury being a question mark, Jair, Nixon, and uh, Razul, who's having a great camp, all there. Like Valentine has a chance to be coming in on dime, really kind of battling with Stokes as he's coming back from an injury. So I- I'm pumped for this. We stole another guy late in the draft, it looks like. Yeah, uh, you were right, 232 uh, in the draft, uh, picked right after uh, Nesta Jade Silvera and right before Andre Jones Jr. Never heard of either one of those guys, but uh, six foot, 193 pounds is what he measured in at the combine, 32 and a quarter inch arms, which is 78th percentile, so that's decent. Uh, his hands weren't the biggest. They were 59th percentile there, but it was his vert jump and his broad jump. That's where he really sets himself apart, 39-inch uh, vert. 
128 inch broad. Those are 83rd and 84th percentiles respectively. The guy is a dude that can come up and jump out of the gym. And that's evidenced by the fact, like you said, three pass breakups. He had, he also had a pick and returned it for about 17 yards. That's, that's not bad. You're not complaining about that. And you also throw in the fact that he had four total tackles on the night. That was tied for a second on the team with uh, three other guys. But he was getting involved. He's sticking his nose in things. There's And when you're about a 200-pound corner, that's you're going to be a little bit more willing to do that. You see guys that uh, come in a little bit on the smaller side, tend to avoid contact. They're not big hitters. They're just trying to get picks or nothing. And Valentine, I feel like, is not the type of guy. And you're right. He can come in on dime packages, but also he, I don't know if he is going to be on special teams at all, but he very well might be put on special teams because just because Green Bay is like, we got to find ways to get this guy on the field more. And if he's not necessarily getting out there for like pass coverage, we're like, well, let's see if we can go have him make a play on special teams. So uh, similar to kind of like, I think of like the Jarrett Bush who like he played special teams a lot because like the corner room was really deep in front of him. They're like, hey, we know he can play, make plays somewhere else. So let's get him out there so we can at least get him on the field doing something. Yeah, absolutely. And now to go to the other side of this stock down, I already mentioned our first player um, in that last talking about Carrington Valentine. But for me, Eric Stokes, obviously battling back from an injury he is a first round pick. So they're going to give him all the chance in the world to prove he's back and healthy. But Right now, you're coming into a room where Jair's Jair. He's not going anywhere. Razul Douglas seems to have a bit of resurgence. I think now that he's, they're not trying to force him in the slot and moving him back outside, letting them play more physical on the line of scrimmage, he's had an incredible camp. Uh, talking absolute nonsense to the offense during camp, gave everyone hyped up. Like He very much could be like the heart and soul of that, that cornerback room, uh, just with how vocal he is. And then you have Nixon, too, who has – Shown flash, flashes last year. He had a sack on the first the first defensive play, I believe this uh, this past preseason game. Which Joe Barry loved to do that a lot. They sent they sent uh, uh, Charles Gene Charles down there too uh, on a couple blitzes. He had a, a tackle for loss, so you're seeing that kind of mix in there. But Stokes is coming back. You don't know his injury. And if Valentine keeps progressing like this, like what do you do with him? He's going to be more money because he is a first-round pick. Those That guarantee is going to come up a little bit quicker. Uh, do you trade him, try to capitalize on that later? Obviously, it's a wait and see. I, I don't want to act like I'm jumping the gun. All of this is just speculation. But he's coming into a situation where it's a – like you said already, it's a deep, deep corner room. Yeah, it's a deep corner room. Um, I'm not ready to write – like you said, not ready to write him off yet. Um, it's just, it's been kind of a rough go of it. Corner can be one of those positions where some guys hit the ground running, like your sauce gardeners. Some guys take like a year or so to hit. And then when they do, it can really click. And Stokes last year showed some flashes, but I also think that there were times where he was just kind of playing. He just was playing a little, he was thinking too much. Uh, kind of like we saw with Quay Walker, where when like it would really click and he wasn't thinking, he was just playing natural and playing fast and aggressive. It kind of made, it kind of made more sense. He looked more fluid out there versus whenever he was kind of just thinking about what he was doing, he was often just kind of getting taken advantage of when he was in coverage. I think that Stokes has all the tools to be a great player, It, but it does. It's unfortunate for him because the classic saying is the best ability is availability. And yep. he's missed a lot of time. Um, it, it's never good to get for a player to get injured. It's really bad for them to sustain a long-term injury near the end of the season because then that can hold him out uh, moving forward to the next year. And I don't want to see that happen with Stokes. I don't want to see that happen with any player. I never root for anybody that roots for injury on anybody is terrible, but 
yeah. you never root for injury on your guys. And seeing a guy uh, have his spot get threatened because of an injury, it, it just sucks to see. I mean, so like Stokes is a talented kid, but we got to see him on the field. And when he's not on the field and somebody else or just other guys in general are making plays, that's bad. That's not a good look for you. And I know that he knows that. Like there's not like there's no way that he thinks oh I'm fine. No, he's probably sitting here seeing guys make plays and like I need to get out there because yeah. if I don't get out there sooner rather than later, my spot's going to get really hot really fast. Yeah, and especially too with him part of the big draw was his speed. Like he is fast. And now you're taking a knee injury um uh, same day Rashawn Gary, and I think his was definitely more severe than Rashawn's, but you see Gary coming back off the pup list now. Uh, obviously, we'll see what happens week one, but just his ability to be able to come back and practice already. Um, one, a testament to Rashawn Gary for being an absolute freak, and two, just makes you a little bit worried about Stokes. And I think we all have a little PTSD with uh, David Bakhtiari, obviously, uh, and his knee injury, but Elton Jenkins seemed to bounce back pretty well last year too. So we'll see. Uh, again, obviously hoping the best talented kid um, and could definitely bring some uh, bring some talent to that defense. Uh, hopefully he can get healthy. And right away, I'm going to pass this next one to you. Uh, you added him to the list. Patrick Taylor. Why is his stock down? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Patrick Taylor's stock is down similar to Eric Stokes because, I mean, he plays at a position where other guys lit it up. Like we already mentioned, uh, Emmanuel, we already mentioned Emmanuel Wilson, but also Patrick Taylor played last night and he didn't look good. Patrick Taylor had six carries for 19 yards. For reference, Emmanuel Wilson had obviously the 80 yard carry. He also had an 18 yarder that got wiped out and he had another 14 yarder. That's not good. Patrick Taylor had five catches. He led the team in targets last night. He had five targets. He caught all five of them. He had eight yards. Anybody know how, what his longest catch of the night was? Eight yards. That means his other four catches went for a combined zero yards. I understand the running backs catch screens and they catch stuff behind the line, so that's how they get set up for negative yardage plays and stuff like that. But 
it's now is this year two of Patrick Taylor or year three? I, at I, least I, at I, least I, year three. And it's so yeah, this is year three for him. And I continue to not necessarily see anything that gives me any confidence. Through two seasons, he's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. He averaged only 3.1 yards per carry last year, albeit only 10 carries. But I'm continuing to not see, like, progress. I And then I sit here and I see him not make any progress. And then he – like, the room is set in terms of the top two guys. You have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's your top two. You really just need a third guy. Patrick Taylor has kind of gotten that spot almost by default the last couple of years because other guys have gotten hurt. But right now, I'm sitting here and I'm seeing other guys show up, not just Emmanuel Wilson, but just basically Tyler, any other running back. Tyler Goodson too, yeah. And and why would I why would I like pound the table for you if you are continuing to not make plays when given the most opportunities? You had 11 touches last night. That's more than any other offensive player, and you generated a total of 27 yards on 11 touches. That's that's a little over two. It's a little over two yards per touch. That's yep. just bad. You can't have that when other guys at your position are making plays. So Patrick Taylor takes a knock because Emmanuel Wilson played so well and also because Patrick Taylor, for the third year in a row, continues to struggle and is not necessarily making any steps forward. It'd be one thing if Taylor also played la- well last night and just Wilson played better, but Taylor played bad on a night that Wilson played really well and Taylor can, is in his third year now of not necessarily making any progress. So I'm like, what am I, what am I missing? Yeah, I think the big thing for him, and that's going to get him displaced, is why if Wilson keeps having games like this or Tyler Goodson breaks out, uh, obviously you have to, to look at that. I think Patrick Taylor's value really comes in on his pass blocking. Like he is great at protecting the quarterback and special teams. So if Wilson and Goodson can show like, hey, we also can pick up blitzes, we're going to keep uh, loves loves jersey clean and then also we're willing to do special teams like that is the recipe to get patrick taylor out of there obviously again wilson or goodson have 80 yard games these next two games that probably is a nail in the coffin as well but the big thing with rb3 you can't let them make mistakes and they have to do special teams patrick taylor again not the not the most talented runner in that running back room blocks well special teams won't make mistakes the other two have to show that, but I'm, I agree with you. I think right now it's uh, – I still think they might lean to him just because I, – I don't know. Actually, I think it's – yeah, it's really up in the up in the air. I think this, this last game with Wilson doing that, I think, yeah, his stock definitely, definitely has gone down and it's going to be much easier to get him out of there, but they have to show they can do the little things well. Those big runs, great. That's not going to happen all the time. The little things are going to matter, especially for RB3. So – We'll see, but I'm with you. Stock's definitely uh, taking a crash. We'll go to our final player. We're going to do a little honorable mention at the end, but this this next one, I, I we both said we don't want to bash on him uh, on him too much because he started the game well. But Anders, Anders Carlson, uh, missing those two last uh, extra points at the end of the game, just can't let that happen. You did so well. I think you mentioned he had his first four, and he's definitely struggled – in practice, we've seen he's probably like he's averaging. I feel like two two for every three field goals he hits or takes. But you can't miss those extra points. That is just bare minimum what you need to do as a kicker. And who knows? We could just be big dumb idiots. Maybe something happened with the snap. Something happened with the holding. But still, like we can't always have that as an excuse. And Carlson needs to needs to step it up. 
I'll say this. I saw the the one miss. Uh, like he missed one bad. Like he missed it. He missed it right, and it it never looked like it was going in. Um, I didn't see the snap. Like you said, didn't see the snap. Didn't see the hole. Don't know if something got messed up. But it it went right off the rip, and it never looked like it was coming back. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, during camp, he's had some struggles. Uh, I know that he played like the last week or so uh, was better. Um, just from like uh, following, like Rob Domovsky talks about his, uh, his stuff a lot. Uh, tries to I read I, every time I see him talk about like the kicking stuff. I try to at least look at it so I have it in my brain. But the last week, it seemed like he was kind of turning the corner a little bit. But just the the main issue, and we kind of talked about this before we got started, is the if you're gonna miss, you have to come out and make the next one. Because the problem becomes when you miss the first one and then you miss the second one and it compounds because now one mistake turned into two mistakes and now it's you're going to get in your own head. And even the most confident guys in the world, the, the co- most confident kickers in the world, they'll miss two in a row. And then after two in a row, you're like, OK, maybe it's not my day. Like we saw it with Mason in the Detroit game in the last couple of years where he missed what was like five field goals in one game. It's like you get in your head. And then you're just mm-hmm. going to continue to struggle and you're going to continue to miss. And you can't have that happen. And he missed the first one. I didn't see the second one. I don't know how he missed it. I don't know if it was a block. I don't know if it got blocked. I don't know if it was – or I don't know any of that stuff that happened. All I know is he missed it and you can't have that happen, especially after you started the game so strong. Yeah. Like, he, like, he, like I said, he started the game. He made uh, his first two extra points. Where he made his first three extra points and his lone field goal attempt. So he's four for four on kicking things. And then final two goes and misses both of them. He missed, I don't know what the second first one was, but he missed the second one wide right. Uh, yeah, just wide right. Play by play. So I don't know what he did on the first one, but. It's a. Uh, that tells me right there. He missed the first one and then came back out. And the second one was terrible. Like it wasn't even close yeah, to being. Not close. It's a. Uh, uh, Matt Schneiman of The Athletic would ask earlier in camp, asking if they're going to bring in another kicker, some competition, because they've had that before. And things like this, I'm torn because, yes, I want a kicker in there to provide competition, maybe push him a little bit, but also with the confidence thing of he's a rookie coming in, replacing a legend of Mason Crosby. Like you want to try to build his confidence up as much as you can and bring another kicker could bring that down a bit. But at the same time, you're in a big boy, big boy league now, so – if they bring competition in, you got to figure out a way to suck it up and keep going. Uh, so I'm torn on it. If they bring in a kicker, I think it's good for him. If they don't, I can understand their logic behind it. But I think if this is another thing next game, I could see them hopefully bring someone in to kind of provide some competition. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in the idea of uh, comp- or competition breeds success. Um, I understand that some players don't thrive under that, but I do believe that it is a real thing. I think that there are like just – I think the best players tend to when the when the competition's high and they feel their seat get warm. I feel that they tend the best players tend to do rise above and rise to that. And Carlson very well maybe that's what he needs. Like it's I'm not saying that like he needs to lose his job, but maybe he needs to feel the heat of hey, we got another guy here and if you're not going to hold up to it, we got another guy that's ready to take your spot. Yeah. Put some pressure on him because in the games, you're going to be feeling all sorts of pressure. Going in for game winners, going in, you're down by two. You kick this thing, you win. Uh, Tie-up game. Like, yeah, he needs to feel that pressure eventually. Um, and then we'll go for an honorable mention. Don't want to talk about it too much uh, because I think the two guys that they have right now there are very talented. But 
the tight ends room. Uh, I, I'm not going to be surprised. Actually, I expect them to bring in a veteran. Tyler Davis was going to be that veteran in the room. As much as I wish it was big dog, that ship has sailed. Tyler Davis out with what Matt LaFleur said, a significant knee injury. You're down now to Luke Musgrave, Tyler, uh, sorry, Tucker Craft, And then you have DeGuara, who is right now listed as a fullback. I believe we'll see him as a tight end playing, playing on the line of scrimmage eventually too. But that room is thin and very inexperienced. So I don't think bring even bringing a guy in just to be that veteran in the room, still still giving those young uh, those young players all the snaps, which is their logic for not bringing Big Dog back, makes sense to me. I've seen people mention OJ Howard, but again, there's a reason he's been on multiple teams and not able to stick it out. But the veteran uh, the veteran market for tight ends right now is gross. So no matter who you bring in, is not going to be. But again, they're just replacing Tyler Davis, so it's not like you're replacing uh, a star star tight end no offense to him but we'll see what they do i definitely see a move coming for the tight end room yeah i just i don't think there's any way that the room as it's currently constructed can remain uh there's just like you said the room is too young and too inexperienced it's not like you have a couple of second year guys it's you have two first year guys and then josiah deguara who has gotten sparing snaps since he since they've been drafted or since they drafted him yep and you just can't – you need more than that, uh, even if it's as simple as signing some older guy just to show him the ropes, just to be a blocking tight end maybe in case either one of the other guys can't block right away because that's a t- – I know that's typically a thing that a lot of young tight ends struggle with is just blocking is not their thing. Uh, it's probably because of the physicality change. Um, and I think I think the team has talent in the tight end room. Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave were – top tight end picks for a reason uh, that they yep. can really carry this room uh, from a receiving aspect. If they get, if they can get rolling early on in the year, but right now I just, I find it hard to believe that they don't bring in somebody. Like you said, the free agent market for tight ends is not great, um, but it's still, you got to go get something. I'm sorry. It like, you just, you can't rock with what you have currently because there's just two, it's just too inconsistent. There's not enough talent there. There's not a proven talent. It'd be one thing if like the guys were coming out of the gates and they were really getting after it, but right now they're not. Like you got Cameron Break retired. Uh, the other here's the other like top names in terms of guys what they were paid last year: Kyle Rudolph, Ryan Griffin, Adam Shaheen, uh, Keith and Carter. I'm not sure how to say his name. It's spelled C E T H A N. Steve Anderson, Max Williams, Rich A, Richard Rogers. Uh, O.J. Howard, Rashad Berry, Ian Bunting, Ben Ellison, Eli Wolf, and Jordan Franks. That is the guys that are unsigned that were on teams last year. Honestly, I would not mind Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, I know I was, he's a former Viking, but... I was thinking the same thing. I was like, if I got to pick one of those guys, yeah. I was like, I know who I'm picking. Yeah. Especially, too, you bring in O.J. Howard, there's going to be that weird, oh, he was a first-round pick. He's going to be so... Like, maybe we could turn it around. No, you can't. Bring in Rudolph, low expectations, someone who can guide him. We'll be fine. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. And I know we both said it. We have the talent in the room, but you always always would like to have that veteran there. But they could have the same approach they do with the wide receivers now. Young guys figuring it out, good evaluation. Um, or, you know, they say screw it, and Zach Thomas played pretty much every offensive line position. You might as well just add a tight end to his repertoire. See I'm what in. happens. <laughs> yeah, done deal. But that's it for today. Stock up, stock down on some players from uh, the first preseason game. Regular season, week one against the Bears cannot come soon enough. But Gage, uh, before we log off, where can people find you? 
As always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridgeFordNFL. All of my work for everywhere I may be working can be found there. Perfect. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter, Jimmy underscore C08. I am dusting off the old keyboard and I have rejoined Packer Report. Uh, So I'll be putting articles out every week for Packer Report. Uh, I believe on Mondays, as well as kind of floating around now that I work at home and get distracted easily on maybe some breaking news. But excited to do that, as well as uh, Lombardi's Bar every Wednesday. We just had Andy Herman on, uh, and in a couple more weeks we'll have uh, Wes Hockwitz. So having some guests that are much smarter than us on, so give that a give that a follow if you can. But as always, thank you for listening, and go Pack Go.